Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Welcome to episode 54 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to this idea of servant leadership and honoring God. Because what I know to be true, and we've seen week after week, is that when you live this way, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of your service. Because at the end of the day, all of us are ministers of one kind or another, because we are given special gifts by God. And because of those gifts, it is our obligation, our responsibility, that when we see a need in the world around us, we should fill that need to the best of our ability because serving is for everyone in all walks of life whether you're a military leader a business leader a leader in your faith a community leader or even something as simple as serving your family you can put the needs of other people first and last week in episode 53 we had the great privilege of hearing from judge patrick dugan and how he does that within his community as the president judge for philadelphia circuit court as well as being in charge of veteran courts for philadelphia and he really shared his heart for empathy and compassion and helping people to rebuild their lives instead of stripping them down so if you did not listen to that show i would encourage you to go back and listen to that because it will really uplift your spirits but for today just a little bit about me that's relevant to today's guest. As I mentioned in the past, I have the great opportunity to serve as the president of the Penn and Franklin chapter of AUSA, the Association of the United States Army. And through that, I had the opportunity to meet one of my board members, Mr. Nick Learman. So Nick is not only a board member for AUSA, but he's also an army veteran. He's a lawyer. He's the founder of an organization called Team Foster, and he's the co-host of a podcast called CTW, Conquer the World, along with Erica Webster, his partner. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Nick Learman. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Nick Learman. Nick, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be on the program with me here today. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. I'm excited to be here. So, Nick, you know, looking at your bio and all the things that have been written up about you and articles and all these different things, you have a very impressive resume and career path. But I think what a natural starting point might be is your military service, because I feel like that's where a lot of this started for you. Is that a fair statement? Uh, I think it's a very fair statement. Um, and I think full disclosure, like the caveat to all of this is that to whatever extent I've had success or gotten to do some really interesting, interesting things over my life, I've backed my way into just about every good decision. So the army being a, one of the best examples, um, I, the backstory there is I am, uh, the son of two, uh, non-college graduates. Um, both my parents only had high school degrees. Uh, I knew I should go to college, but I had no idea how to pay for it. Right. I had never really tried hard. I'd never really worked hard. Um, I sort of skated through high school um, and looking at colleges. I, um, I looked actually looked at the air force and the Navy and both of them wanted me to major in something technical. Yeah. And I was like, nah, that's <laughs> definitely not my bag. Um, so I, I showed up to Pitt without really having a plan about how to write the check. Mm-hmm. Um, and some cute girl walked into one of my classes wearing an army PT uniform first semester of my freshman year. Okay. I took, took that as an opportunity to, to chatter her up. Next thing you know, I learned, I was like, Oh, the army, she's like, you can major in whatever you want. You don't even have to go on active duty. I was like, that sounds like free college. Sign me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, you know, fast forward, you know, over the course of, and that was pre nine 11. Yeah. Um, you know, fast forward over the course of the years, uh, I met Eric Foster, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Uh, ROTC, the Army, Eric absolutely changed my life. I fell in love with the Army. I wanted to go on active duty, so I did. Um, and I commissioned uh, as a Patriot Missile Systems Operator in 2000. Um, but yeah, that, I, listen, I, I would love to say that I signed up for a love of country or some sort of calling to serve. Uh, but really, it was about pay, at, the, at the outset, at least, uh, it was about just paying the bills. And how long did you serve for, Nick? Or are you still in? Uh, I am still in, though. I did have a break in service. So I did, uh, I commissioned in 2000. I served through 2004 on active duty as a Patriot Missile Systems Operator. Got my first deployment under my belt in 03. Um, got to do some really other, really neat, interesting stuff on active duty. I was stationed in Europe. I did missions in Israel and Hungary. Um, and then I got out uh, and went to law school in 04. Uh, missed it almost as soon as my name fell off the IRR list. And I came back in in 2012 as a reservist this time and as a JAG uh, my second time around. And I've been still in today. And what grade do you hold now in our army? I am an 04, so hopefully not for too much longer, knock on wood. Um, promotion board meets, I think, this summer. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a major in the army. I'm a brigade judge advocate for uh, the 354 Civil Affairs Brigade uh, based out of Maryland. Wow. Okay. So quite a bit of time in the army. I'm counting 12 years if my math is right altogether. God, I, I think it's 14. Um, but, uh, you know, listen, the, the retirement board will tell me at some point, they'll send me a 20 year letter. And that, that's then maybe everything. <laughs> so of all that time, what was the most important nugget that you got from the army about what it means to really serve others and this idea of servant leadership? 
That's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, and it's, I was looking at that question before I came on today, and I've I've had a, a wide variety of experiences with the Army, both positive and negative. Uh, but I still remember vividly when we talk about servant leadership. Um, his name at the time was Major Sean Ganey. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is now a two-star and he's still in, which is more as much a testament to my age as it is his success. Yeah. Um, and I was a very young captain, uh, senior lieutenant going to a captain, and I had had uh, I had done really really well, and then I had her assigned to a commander that where she and I bumped heads uh, very significantly. Uh, I was young and I was brash. She was also very young, not as experienced, um, which is not her fault. Um, but long story short, I, w- I was in a bad headspace and I wanted no parts of the army. I wanted no parts of what our units were doing. Uh, I was very frustrated. I was resentful. Um, some reasons that were justified, many reasons that were not. Um, and I, essentially, I, got, I moved out of her unit um, to somewhat voluntarily, somewhat not voluntarily. It was, it was just not a good situation for anybody. Um, we had a battalion commander, oh, by the way, who was just a, re, was really, really tough. Um, and it sort of exacerbated everything. Okay. Um, I, you know, long story short, I ended up working for Major Ganey. Um, and Major Ganey saw something in me and believed in me. And he could have shuffled me off to the side and he could have just let me ride a desk. Um, but shortly after all those moves took place, uh, our unit ramped up for deployment. We deployed and I, I got, I was his right-hand guy and I, he put me, he set aside all the other nonsense, any baggage that I had showed up with and major gain. He was first and foremost concerned with our mission and second, very concerned with my professional well-being and mentoring me and helping me evolve into a better leader, a better officer. Um, and it would have been really easy for uh, Major Ganey to just, and now General Ganey to, it, that was not the path of least resistance. Right. Um, you know, but he took the time to talk with me and sit down with me and understand me and communicate how much he cared about me as a person, as an officer, as a person, you know, individually in and out of uniform. Um, and that went a long way to saving, you know, sort of my outlook on the army and my outlook on my service, you know, and the, and the remainder of my experience with the army at that point. Yeah. So was your takeaway then, if I'm hearing you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it feels like you're saying that you need to invest in other people because there's good in them and you just have to get that diamond in the rough and kind of draw that out of them. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, and it's funny, I've seen this with people that have worked for me or served under me or whatever the case may be that a lot of times when, you know, somebody's angry or, you know, acting out or not, seemingly performing up to what your expectations are a lot of times it's because there's some sort of underlying issue yeah it's not because they hate their job it's not because they hate you 100 uh, percent. and you have to you just have to if you show someone that you care they will work so much harder and they will perform so much better if you let them know and most of us do right right most yep. of us care about other people you, we don't always do a good job of expressing that or sharing that um, and Major, now General Ganey, did that for me, and it revolutionized the way my uh, my path w- went, and it certainly changed and affected the way I interact with others. You know, I could not agree with you more on that point. I remember when I was a young captain, and I was stationed at CASCOM, uh, Combined Arms Support Command at Fort Lee, and I'll leave the guy's name off that gave me a bad taste on my mouth, but not a very good boss at all, created a very toxic culture, and I was seriously thinking about getting out of the army. 
specifically because of him. He made me feel so negative about the army. Yep. And his successor came in, and I will say his name, Colonel Gary Grimes. And he told me shortly after he took over that, hey, I need you to go to Iraq and you're going to be on the special police transition team. Da, 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 da. And he brought my wife in and spent like an hour with us doing one on one counseling and making sure that she was going to be cared for and giving her his personal phone number if you need help. Ba, 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 ba. And then he went a step further. When I went to Fort Carson for pre-deployment prep, he flew out there for the day of graduation. And my wife was there at the same time to have a bit of, you know, goodbye. And he said, I'm giving you a direct order. You are going to spend the last night here with your wife. I will watch your one-year-old son while you and your wife go out on a date. And I want you to be out the entire night. I will take care of your son. I'm direct order. It's like, wow. So, yeah, that's. Hearing that from an 06, right? That kind of compassion and care for a young captain, he didn't have to come out there. And he took the time to do all that for me. I was like, all right, there is something good about this army after all. And because of that, I decided to stay. And it's amazing. You know, I I say this about uh, everything I do, you know, whether it's uh, the nonprofit or the law or the army, it's a people business. It is. It is a people business. You can be a technical expert, you know, and have, be the SME and whatever you want. Um, but by and large, what you and I are doing in life uh, is so often, it's a people business and you have to let the people you know that you work with, that you volunteer with, that you care for, you got to let them know that you care and, you gotta, and that, that you're invested and that you mean it. 100%. So what was your reason when you said that you were a Patriot guy and then you said you went to law school and now you're in the reserves as Brigade JAG? What was the precipice for shifting to law? Uh, another great example of Nick Learman backing his way into major life decisions. Uh, <laughs> I read a couple, I, uh, my only, att- the only attorneys I knew, uh, at the time were, uh, were Jags who were uh, young officers who fresh out of law school. I had no attorneys in my family, um, no other attorney friends in the civilian world, but I read a couple books, um, that said you could, if you got a law degree, you could do whatever you wanted and make a ton of money doing it. Um, and I was dead set that I needed to go out and make buku bucks. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, you know, I like to argue and I'm not a dummy, so I'll go to law school. <laughs> um, it's good so logic. That, that was, what was that? That's good logic. I like that. Uh, it's, I, I, it sounds good. I don't, I don't know how it briefs it well. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can tell you, you know, it was another one of those things. I went to law school. I got a great, uh, I went to right here at Temple. Uh, Temple was very good to me, uh, took care of me financially, got a nice scholarship, uh, I think in large part, not because of my grades, because they weren't that great, but because of my service. Um, got a great clerkship, my, a federal clerkship my summer, my first year, only to realize that I really did not enjoy what most lawyers do, which is read and write all day. Mm. Um, so uh, ended up with a career counselor who suggested that I become a trial attorney and I go work at the prosecutor's office, the district attorney's office in Philadelphia, um, which I initially balked at because it paid less than I was getting paid as a, a young officer. I was like, I didn't, I'm not going to law school to get more debt and get paid less. Like that's, <laughs> that's exactly the opposite of the plan. Um, but it turns out, uh, you know, you talk about service. I, I loved being a prosecutor. I loved help people. Uh, I loved advocating on behalf of crime victims. I loved uh, being on my feet and arguing and representing the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and take, doing my best and trying to do my part to take care of the city of Philadelphia. Um, and I fell in love, you know, it was, a, again, I backed my way into it, but it was something I just was obsessed with. I was a prosecutor for eight or nine years. 
And for clarity, you're um, still doing that, right? No, no. So I, I left the prosecute. So once I, I started having a family, um, the money was sincerely became an issue. Sure. Um, and being a state uh, city employee just was not um, the right direction. So I did a federal, uh, I was in the Cannon County prosecutor's office for a brief second on a federal project. And then I went into private practice for about four years. Um, and I still practice now, but now I'm, I have my own shop and I run my own, my own law practice. Right. Okay. So that, that's what I was driving at. You're still practicing law. You're not doing the prosecutor. Oh, yes, you're still practicing yes. law. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So your own practice. And what is that called? Uh, it's called Learman Legal Consulting, um, and I specialize in representing individuals. Uh, what I like to say is people who are having their worst day. Um, so whether you got hurt on the job, hurt outside of the job, uh, discriminated against, fired, charged, or charged with a crime, um, you know, I like to be, think that I'm the person you call when things are going sideways um, and help you point you in the right direction. Um, and speaking of the military, the nice thing is even if I can't help you, um, I actually started a uh, a network of former and current military JAGs uh, that has a couple thousand members. So wow. makes it a great network to refer people out to, whether any place across the nation. Wow, that's awesome. So as an attorney now, how do you apply what you learned in the Army, what you got from now General Ganey, about how to be a servant leader as an attorney? How are you able to apply that within your law practice? I think it's, it's really, I think it's one of the more natural transitions to that's a servant leadership mentality. It's really easy as an attorney to chase the money, right? And just focus on the business and bringing in more clients and charging the ma- earning the max fee or charging the max fee, whatever the case may be. And that's, listen, you have to pay the bills. Right. But my experience, uh, the best attorneys simply do what is best on behalf of their clients and the rest ultimately takes care of itself. So, you know, if you have a client and their particular situation, you know, you can push them to ask for more money or you can push them to try something or drag things out and earn more fees or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, if you are serving and focus exclusively on your client's best interests, you'll make the amount of money that you're supposed to make. And that client will be that much happier with what you are doing and that much more appreciative of what you were doing. Um, and ultimately it will drive more business your way anyway. So again, the business end just sort of takes care of itself. So if you're serving, right, if you're serving your client and that is your sole focus, then that's all you need. If you let those people, if you let your clients know that you care, um, that you do care about them as people and not just about a potential fee, um, that's all. I, I, 85 or 90% of my clients, that's all they say is, you know, Nick, I've really enjoyed working with you because I know you were advocating for me and because you made me feel like I care. And it's not hard. It's returning a text message. It's answering emails. Yeah. Um, it's taking a couple minutes on the phone to let somebody talk about their problems, right. you know, because most of the folks that I deal with are in very high anxiety positions. Um, so being able to serve them and sort of assuage that anxiety ultimately ends up being a, a big win for everybody. So Nick, in the first half of the show, you were telling us a lot about your military service and how you transitioned that to being a lawyer. And really what I've heard come through so far is a tremendous passion to serve people. You have a number of other things that you're also involved in, which very much still relate to this idea of serving. So I'm really curious, like what is the driving force behind you wanting to serve so many people in so many different ways? Why such a passion for it? That's a, I think it's a good question. Like, I, there's always been something about me that interested in serving. You know, I grew up wanting to be a cop. Um, though, again, I don't, I don't know particularly why. <laughs> um, 
But I think really the, the pivotal moment for me was Eric Foster. Um, mm. Eric and I were cadets together in Pittsburgh. Um, and he left a massive impression on me, uh, really in two ways. And one was giving back, or excuse me, was pushing himself physically, mentally, learning what a work ethic was, learning that the confidence that you can build, learning how you can improve. You actually do apply yourself and practice and try and put in the reps and put in the hours. Um, but also, you know, and we all know the folks that, that chirp about being a teammate, but Eric was very much the consummate teammate. So whether we were at PT and pushing harder and taking care of somebody who's having a not so great day at the bar and things are going sideways or in the community volunteering, Eric didn't need to, to yap about it, um, though he did like to talk a little smack. He was a lot of fun, <laughs> um, but Eric was very much about taking care of others and seeing that. And experiencing that and witnessing that made me want to try it and made me want to help others and help people and actually spend some time thinking about someone that wasn't Nick Weirman for a couple minutes. And I immediately discovered how impactful it was, both on the community and the opportunity to help people, um, but on me and how good it felt to to help people and to how what a great headspace I found myself in when I was spending time thinking about other people and their problems. Yeah. Um, it was, and that's, it, it absolutely revolutionized my life. I, my life took a 90 degree turn by the time I, I came out of college and went on to active duty um, and the way I thought about things. Um, so that is absolutely, that's probably, if I had to point to a one moment, like that would be it. So tell me some more about Eric Foster, because if I understand correctly, that was the genesis of one of the things that you're also doing now is this thing called Team Foster. Yeah. So Team Foster is the name of the organization. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, and Eric's its music. Um, you know, as you just heard me talk about, Eric was a huge impact on me. Um, Eric stayed in after I got out in 04. Uh, he was on his second tour in Iraq. Uh, as a serving as a troop commander with the 82nd Airborne Division, uh, when he his unit was caught in an ambush and he was killed by a small arms fire, mm. that left a, a huge hole in me. You know, you had, had someone who had changed my life, who was always pushing himself. Eric was a you know was a ranger. He had his you know he had his airborne wings. He was jumping out of planes, serving in the 82nd, doing right. all of those yep. elite things. Um, and obviously, he was a leader in the community. Um, and it was super important to me that we take that legacy and continue to pay it forward and push it forward and, and provide an opportunity to talk about Eric and the things that were important to him. Um, so that was the genesis of Team Foster. Uh, our mission is no hero left behind. Uh, we put together events that bring the civilian and the military community together to raise money to provide service dogs for injured and disabled veterans. So the money we raise goes to make sure those dogs can be obtained, trained, and provided to veterans at no cost, uh, with a special emphasis on our vets suffering from post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injuries, and, and the signature wounds of post-9-11 warfare. And if I understand correctly, you have an event coming up in the not-too-distant future regarding Team Foster. Is that right? We do. It's one of our, our favorite events. It's our biggest event. It's called Rough Ride, R-U-F-F Ride, Philadelphia. It is a 24-hour spin event, uh, which sounds daunting, but I promise you it is way more fun than it is hard. Um, though it is not without challenges. Um, it's June 4th and 5th at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, and the concept's super straightforward. Teams sign up, you're assigned a spin bike, and then it's your team's job to keep that bike going for 24 hours. You will be live scoreboards. We'll be tracking your stats. It's 
definitely a competition, but just as much that it's a festival, it's a tailgate. Uh, we have programming for every single hour of the competition, anything from spin classes to games, to quizzo to karaoke, things that do and do not relate to the bike. Uh, there's also a puppy kissing booth on Saturday. We have a live band coming in Saturday night. Radio stations are broadcasting live from the event. There's, um, kids carnival style games there. So it's super family friendly. All the teams will bring tents and set up. Um, and I know that there's more things I'm missing, but it's it's absolutely a blast. It's June 4th and 5th at the link. Um, and then you can all, you can find a lot more information over at teamfoster.org. And of all the time that you've been running Team Foster, what was the thing that has stood out the most to you? Like, is there a period of time that really was just a special time that you could look back and say, I can't believe I get to do this in honor of Eric Foster? Yeah, so there's, there's definitely one moment that like, um, well, I... It brings me to tears almost every time I bring it up. One of the veterans that uh, we work with is a uh, person who's Mike. Um, long story short, Mike is a, a uh, first Gulf War vet. PTSD devolved into mental health challenges. Mental health challenges devolved into a substance abuse problem. Okay. Snowballed ultimately becomes agoraphobic, meaning uh, he literally could not leave his house. Um, he was locked, in, essentially locked inside his own house. Wow. Um, Mike gets his, he's a, and oh, by the way, Mike is very much your, uh, stereotypical central Pennsylvania, rough and tumble, tumble tattoos, beard. He gets partnered with a service dog named cookie dough wow. in 2000. And I'm going to date myself, uh, 16, 16 is when he gets partnered with cookie dough and changes his life. Wow. Um, he's very candid about the fact that, uh, Mike was on the cusp of taking his own life. Um, so literally saved his own life, saved Mike's life. Cookie Dose helps him get out of the house or it just completely changes everything. So fast forward, right? That's 16, 2018, uh, team foster gets invited. Uh, I get asked to throw out the first pitch. And then part of the, that experience is they also asked if one of our veterans wanted to change first base during the game. No kidding. Um, so I was wow. like, Oh, well, that's really cool. I had been in, co- in contact with Mike pretty regularly. I mentioned it to Mike. He's a big Phillies fan. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll come out. Well, Long story short, turns out the game that we got to do this, courtesy of our at Toyota, free plug, um, it was the 10th anniversary of the World Series winning team. So all the old alumni were there, all the 2008 World Series team was there, and the stands were packed. So the team was terrible. So usually we're like 15,000 people. Yeah, yeah. There were 48,000 people in the stands. Wow. And you think about the anxiety that somebody has speaking in public or doing performing in public for under any circumstance and now you take someone with mike's background his challenge everything he's come to overcome and he walks out on that field with cookie dough and it was if you didn't if you didn't know him and know his story you would never had any idea just flawless without a hitch and seeing that and you get to see for yourself um the impact that these dogs have the impact that the organization is having uh on our vets you can't uh, that I'll never forget that moment ever, ever, ever. Um, and if that was the only thing the team foster ever did, it would be good enough. Um, it was just so amazing. And it just absolutely crystallizes, um, what we are trying to do and the, the impact that we can have. Well, Nick, that's an awesome mission. And I'm glad that AUSA can just help to support that and be a part of that in a couple months. But, you know, with all the things that you're doing, it really seems like you're conquering the world and you and Erica Webster <laughs> have a podcast about how you're conquering the world and other people that are conquering the world. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how that came about and, you know, your success with that so far? 
Sure. So yeah, so Erica Webster, my partner, uh, also a vet, I believe she's been a guest on the show as well. Indeed, um, a few months you know, ago. One of the things, one of the things that uh, brought us together is that we're both super ambitious. We both like getting after it. We both like trying to affect change. Um, and early on in our relationship, we started calling ourselves Team Conquer the World. As, and it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek, sort of a joke. Um, but as you know, we went along, we really love uh, having projects that we can work on together. Um, and so we started toying around with having a podcast. So we we started our podcast a couple months ago. It's called uh, Team CTW Conquer the World Podcast. And we bring on folks that are all trying to conquer the world in their own space, whether it's uh, you're an entrepreneur, whether you know we have a couple two-star generals lined up. We had an MMA fighter as our guest. We have a, a philanthropic dis, uh, expert in uh, disabled athletes and a- access uh, come on. So scientists, met, you know, doctors, you name it. You know, those are the folks we love to be surrounded by and inspired by. And then we hope that by sharing, they inspire other people to go out and conquer their own world. Um, so, yeah, so it's some great conversations. Uh, it's not all serious. There's definitely some laughs. Um, and it, it's really a good time. It's, you know, ultimately an opportunity to provide a platform uh, for fellow world conquerors or wannabe world conquerors. That's awesome. And how would people get to listen to your show? What platform can people listen to your show on? Great question. Yeah, I definitely, I'm not a very good podcast host if I'm not plugging it appropriately. <laughs> right? So you can find it, C- Team CTW Conquer the World podcast. So you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. So whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, you name it, we're there. Um, we definitely recommend you check it out. And there's also an opportunity if you want to share your own stories. Uh, we're always listening and sharing uh, other world conquerors out there. Awesome. So one of the last things that I want to talk to you about before we end our time together, we're also part of AUSA together, Association of the United States Army. And you've been only been on the team for a few months, but I think we've done some really special things. So what is it from your foxhole that you're most proud of that what our team has done so far in you know what you've observed and been able to be a part of? Yeah, so one, I think what AUSA and the team that is here in our chapter is doing is absolutely phenomenal. It's really, it's inspiring to be around such a, a great group of dedicated individuals. Um, and my favorite thing, like you said, Paul, I've only been around for a couple of months. Um, but candidly, my favorite thing is, is everything we do with the ROTC cadets. Yes. Um, uh, that's such a, it was such an important moment in my life personally that it's, it's important to me to sort of... Any lessons we can share, any resources we can share with the cadets in that stage of life, I think is super valuable. Uh, but it's also, again, you know, it's so it's all circular. <clears throat> Being around those cadets motivates me, and that sort of folks who are not jaded, who are just energy and passion, and just go, 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 and want to do everything, all the things for all the right reasons. Yeah, uh, it's really awesome to be engaged. And I, I and I'm I'm excited that AUSA does so much to support the cadets. You know, and I, I think that's really special, Nick, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, a couple months ago, I had on Cadet Joe Lappinson, who's graduating this year and is also on our board, along with his professor of military science, Lieutenant Colonel Charlie Wilson. And the two of them being on together was really special and showed a special kind of synergy with their energy. And Joe has just done so much for our chapter and for the cadets that he works with and for Lieutenant Colonel Wilson. So seeing guys like Joe that are up and coming, that's going to be the future leaders of our army. I just felt really inspired to listen to Joe and his story and all that he's going to do in our army. Yeah, listen, if I had, you know, a half dozen Joe Lappins and lieutenants working for me, uh, I'm pretty sure that I could go and clear up Ukraine tomorrow. Um, <laughs> these, 
it, it's really it really is special uh you know what charlie's got going on over there and what you know the cadets like joe um and who hopefully you're gonna be uh at rough ride as well uh, yeah. along with the AUSA team that's right um so yeah so it, yeah it's it just be really good it's a it's a good vibe it's a good it's an awesome opportunity you know and i love being around it so nick with all the things that you've done team foster AUSA, ctw being a lawyer army veteran what is the greatest blessing from God that you have gotten from being this kind of servant leader that's always putting other people ahead of yourself? I, it, I've had so many opportunities, Paul, uh, you know, from whether it's, and again, you know, I think the theme of my life has been backing into great decisions. Um, and I think that it's, is a blessing, right? If for all my efforts to control everything and to plan everything out, um, I've been so fortunate to get to meet amazing, amazing people. I've gotten to overcome some, you know, I don't think I've had any like catastrophic mistakes. I don't think <laughs> at least not that I re- maybe I black them all out. Um, I, but being able to recover from ma- from making mistakes and I've gotten to go all over the world, see some amazing things, do some crazy stuff um, and, and help a lot of people along the way. And I, to me, that is, I've gotten to live life to its absolute fullest. Um, and for that, I am extremely, extremely grateful. I love it. And Nick, last question, we got about a minute left. If there's a young person like somebody like Joe Lappinson and they're considering a legal career, maybe they you know, want to make good decisions, but they're young, 17, 18, they're not quite sure what they want to do next. What advice would you give them to be able to back into good decisions? That they're still young, but they're not sure of what their next right thing is. I, yeah, honestly, Paul, I think the best thing is to just try. I, I think you got to go out and try different stuff. You know, and if, if you were thinking about becoming a lawyer, like, by all means, do it. Um, there's a lot of great opportunities, but I think some of the best legal jobs are not the ones that pay well. A lot of the lawyers that I know that pay, get paid a whole lot of money um, sacrifice a lot of happiness in that process. Yeah. Um, so just try stuff. You don't have to take the well-worn path. There's lots of opportunities uh, to do lots of different things the way you want to do them. Amen. Well, Nick, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today, for sharing your heart, for your friendship and being on the AUSA team. Like, it is just an honor to know you and call you my friend, Nick. Well, Paul, I'm super grateful to come on. And I, I, you know, speaking of people that, you know, you just sort of back into and next thing you know, they pop up in your life. Uh, Paul, I'm super grateful for everything you do, what you do for me and for your friendship. Um, And thanks for having me on today. Thanks, Nick. Really appreciate you. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, 
Contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from today's guest, Mr. Nick Learman. This guy had so much to offer, and we're just going to unpack a few of the nuggets that he said. The first thing I thought he said was really profound was when he was talking about Eric Foster and Major Ganey, now Major General Ganey, and the impact that they had on him and instilling in him the idea that you have to help other people, right? Helping other people to succeed because it's not about how much money you make. And it's not about how successful you are in your job. It's about the well-being of other people. And when you put that first, Nick said his life did a 90-degree turn for the better. And he said it revolutionized his life. And then we take that a step further. Nick talks about how in his own practice now, he does what's best for the client. He's not chasing dollars. He's not chasing fees. He does what is best for the needs of the client, whether that might be reducing his fees or whatever it is. He is putting the welfare of other people ahead of his own. And when people know that you genuinely care for them and you have their best interest at heart, they will go above and beyond for you and they will trust you. And that trust is something that you can't buy. It's not something that money can achieve. It's only something that you can develop through relationship. And I really loved what Eric said when I asked him about this passion to serve. He again referred back to Eric Foster and talked about pushing himself and being impactful. But what I really was impacted by was he said that when you are doing this idea of servant leadership, you're changing not just your community, but also yourself. You get as much out of serving other people yourself as the people that you're serving do because something really special happens in your heart and in your soul when you put the needs of other people ahead of your own. And then he went on and he talked about Team Foster. Now, if there was ever an organization that's putting the needs of other people ahead of your own, Team Foster's done. I mean, he literally made this organization in honor of his friend that died in combat. But to see the impact, again, the impact on community and in self when You see this uh, dog, Cookie Dough, come out in a stadium full of 48,000 people. And a guy that was agoraphobic and did not want to go out of his house to be in front of 48,000 people because he had Cookie Dough by his side. That is tremendous impact. And Nick said that was one of the greatest moments that he ever had from Team Foster. So think about how you can do that in your own life. How can you help other people? How can you put their needs ahead of your own? And then Nick further talked about CTW, Conquer the World. What can each one of us do in our own space to conquer the world? Maybe you might say, well, listen, you know, I'm only a, a parent or I only this or I only that. And I say to you, that's hogwash. None of it is only this or only that. Regardless of what you're doing, your walk in life, your occupation, we all still have very special gifts. And because of those gifts, we have an ability to serve other people and to impact other people for the good. And when you do, it creates life change in them and in yourself. So I would say to you, what can you do to conquer the world? Your own private little worlds, your own space. What can you do to conquer that space and be that light in the world for other people? And the last thing Nick said that I thought was just tremendous 
was just the idea of try. He talked about having a life where he's backed into good decisions, but you don't know if it's a good decision until you try. So I would say to you, have some faith. Have some faith in the God above that he will care for you, that he will love you, that he has you in his hand and give a try to what it is that you're thinking about doing if you have really have a passion in your heart for it. Now listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. This past week, I had such a, what I'll call a proud father moment. And so just to give you a very quick recap, my son came home and he had recently got accepted into and has committed to attending Florida Atlantic University. And he went on for about 10 minutes telling me his entire life plan, not just when he's going to go to college, but 15, 20 years beyond that. And to hear him say that with such enthusiasm and passion and belief in himself really was inspiring for me. And right at that same time, my daughter opened a letter from what is going to be her high school starting next year. And she had gotten accepted into the school's engineering program. And this is not something that everybody gets into. It's a very selective uh, process for becoming part of this engineering school. And so in that moment, to see my son beaming with pride that he's going to go to school and he has this great plan and my daughter's getting ready to go into high school and have her great accomplishments with being an engineer and so forth like that made me really proud to be a father. And I feel like that's the universe giving something back to me because for the last 18 years, I have poured time and energy and money and everything and love and tears and all those things. If you're a parent, you know what I mean. And to see that come back in one moment was really just something special. So I would say to you today, invest in your kids, invest in your family, invest in relationships, and put the needs of other people ahead of your own, especially your children, because there will come a time that it comes back to you. All right, listen, next week, I was supposed to have on uh, Detective Tim Brooks for this week, but he had a schedule change. So he is coming on for it next week. And again, He's a Philadelphia police officer and detective. He's a bomb disposal expert. And he's also the recipient of the Service Before Self Medal of Honor. Finally, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall but you have never felt me yet Ooh. Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never failed me yet I know the night will come Oh